This is the All Sports Podcast devoted to your favorite teams in North Texas. Welcome to Ballsy, a production of the Dallas Morning News and Sports Day. Our weekly show is proudly hosted. Okay, strike that. Our show is hosted by Kevin Sherrington, Evan Grant, and myself. I'm David Moore, and who knows, maybe we'll have a special guest or two along the way. And in this episode, we'll be talking about the stars. Catch other episodes by subscribing to the Ballsy Podcast on iTunes. We're also on social media. Just search Ballsy Podcast on Facebook and Twitter, and you'll be notified of the latest episode. Don't forget, it's Ballsy with a Z. Are you ready, sports fans? Ballsy starts now. Hello, everybody. Welcome into Ballsy, the Sports Day DFW Dallas Morning News Sports Podcast. I am Kevin Sherrington, joined in the studio today by Evan Grant and David Moore. And on the line from uh, some boondoggle he's on, he's wrangled now, is uh, Chuck Carlton. Hi, Chuck. How are you? Yes, out here in sunny sunny Scottsdale, Arizona. That wasn't so sunny yesterday. Two years in a row it's rained out here. Maybe I should just stay in Dallas. Oh, so. my gosh. No good. So you're out there for the Big 12 meetings? Yeah, Big 12 meetings. Actually, 73 uh, of the uh, FBS teams are out here. You've got uh, Pac-12 out here. You've got the American out here. You've got um, Big 10. You know, Jim Delaney, uh, Ryan Day, the new coach at Ohio State, you know, walking through the lobby, chatted him up. You get a lot of FaceTime out here. Uh, And... um, I don't know how much will actually be decided or at least disclosed to us to being decided, but it's, but it's very interesting dynamic. Yeah, I bet it is. Uh, and and I, I thought we were going to discuss the stars first, but since you, we talked about the colleges, let's go ahead and, and uh, open up about Chris Beard's new deal uh, at Texas Tech. We were not surprised that he's getting one. Uh, we're, he's he's going to be making an average of, what, $4.5 million a year? Is that what it is? Yeah, just north, 4.57, which is – uh, huge money. I mean, yes, you're gonna, the, the numbers are going up. You look at what Buzz Williams got at Texas A&M recently. Um, Tony Bennett's in line for a new deal at Virginia after winning the national championship. So yeah, that's happening. But Chris Baird goes from a guy who, uh, was making less than a million dollars at Little Rock, a lot less than a million dollars four years ago to now being at least based on average value of the current deals that have been announced, the only two people ahead of him are, you know, Mike Krzyzewski and John Calipari. That's kind of rarefied air for a coach at Texas Tech. Yeah, it is. I think Rick Barnes is also getting a a deal uh, maybe in the $5 million range. Is that right? Yeah, Rick Barnes will be doing that after the flirtation with with UCLA. Rick knows how to play the market. It's interesting, though, that you – for for a lot of speculation about things like UCLA or what happened if – if the LSU or Arizona jobs open up because of the basketball corruption scandal, Chris Beard really hasn't sent out too many smoke signals about looking elsewhere, and his representatives didn't. He seemed very clear about you know liking that fit, and and I think that's a good thing. I think that is a great fit for uh, him. You know, having coached at so many stops throughout Texas. And having an appreciation for West Texas, having been a Bob Knight assistant out in Lubbock, I mean, he he seems to embrace that. And here's the other thing: the last two years he's gone to the Elite Eight and the final, you know, the championship game. What does he need to move? 
you know, and you can say, well, is that success sustainable? Well, people didn't think he'd be able to to build on that elite eight. And he goes out and get, gets a couple good grad transfers. Derek Culver turns into an All-American. Um, and quite frankly, they love him in Lubbock. I mean, if he goes someplace else and you look at the Billy Gillespie to Kentucky situation where the players basically rebelled, the fans hated him, all this kind of stuff, that's not going to, even if Tech State takes a half step back next year, I don't know if they will, but even if they do, you're not going to hear that in Lubbock. Well, no. I, I know this sounds good, but really how far does 4.57 million go in Lubbock? <laughs> I, 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 he's going to be having to put some coupons, I think. So, uh, uh, well, you know, Chuck, the, the other two I was going to, the, the, I find the, the buyout clauses rather interesting. Can you go into those a little bit? Sure, sure. Uh, for And, and it, it goes down for the contract, but just so you get an idea, uh, the first year, it's a three more three million dollar buyout clause. Um, if if he goes pretty much, you know, outside the Big Twelve and outside the state of Texas, whether it's to another college job or to an MBA job, but if he goes to another, you know, uh, Big Twelve school, Texas, Texas, um, bless you, Jeff. That's six, yeah, I'm sorry, I I got something caught in my throat. If he goes to another Big Twelve school, it's double. It's six million dollars. Uh, after next season, uh, and if you are, if he goes to another uh, school in the state of Texas, which I guess takes into account real potential realignment. Uh, but uh, uh, these, you know, it, it, is that enough to deter somebody like Texas from making a pitch to them? No, but it's they're going to have to think a little bit. If uh, if let's say Shaka Smart disappoints next season. What's his buyout left now, Chuck, at this point? I think at this point, and that Shaka may be down into the somewhat manageable point of around $10 million, 9.5 to $10 million on that buyout. And then having to spend $6 million mm-hmm. on Chris Beard before you bring him in, and you're going to have to bring him in. Pay him. At, yeah. Yeah, you're going to bring him in at $5 million plus. That's an awful lot of investment, even for Texas in the yeah. basketball program. Yeah, that's sixteen I mean, million before you even get to the salary. Yeah, right. Yes. So, so yeah, I, I think that's putting a marker out there. Uh, you know, I, I can tell you that Texas is probably the only school that really worried Tech during the course of the season, uh, in terms of you know Chris Beard being a guy who graduated from there was a kind of a student assistant for Tom Penders. Always had that affinity. Um, or there, you, you can see that you know maybe working out, but yeah, I, I I think clearly right now this looks like a very solid marriage and a big statement by Kirby Hokut to keep Chris Beard in Lubbock for the foreseeable future. Absolutely, it is. I, I think this was the I think this is a good place for him. You know, uh, in the, the, to the whole point of uh, well, can he can he really win out there? Well, he's already won a Big Twelve title. He's already gone to the the championship game uh, in two of the three years. He's got at least to the lead eight. I'd say that's a pretty good start. And here's the interesting thing to me, uh, Chuck, and and this is part of all of that is that he's had really good luck with grad transfers, guys who were able to come in and, and make a real impact on the program right away. I was really dismayed a couple of weeks ago to read uh, this talk that the NCAA was going to try to ma- basically penalize programs and these grad transfers by saying they would have to count two years against the scholarship because. 
Uh, and I was really disappointed in our old pal Bob Bowlesby for saying that these grad transfers, there's some thinking that they're not really pursuing graduate degrees when they go do this. Let's bear in mind that these are guys who've already graduated. You know, they graduated from college, and yet we, we tolerated one and dones for years and years and years. And we're, these guys, as we know, weren't probably going to class at all, not even pursuing a, 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 a an associate's degree, much less a bachelor's degree. Uh, a ridiculous thing to think that uh, that the NCAA would would penalize these guys, and and that did not pass. And I was glad to see that happen. I just want to reference no, I, your your facial expression when you said graduated. <laughs> yeah, how about that? It was um that was what you we like needed the, the video for. Yeah, yeah, it's too bad. Would you do that again? I can Instagram. It. That's okay, Chuck. Go ahead. What was your thought on that? Well, that concludes no, my. No, I, I I agree with you, and it, it's interesting. We were talking with. With Todd Berry, who's uh, the chair, you know, the former Louisiana Monroe coach, who's now chairman of the American Football Coaches Association, and and give them credit, he said that while they have concerns about the transfer situation, the one thing that the AFCA is very clear on is that yeah, grad transfers leave that alone. These kids have fulfilled their graduation requirements, which is what everybody wants, and if they have additional eligibility left, let them go. You know, get it. You know that that's coming from uh, the board of the AFCA and in basketball, yeah, uh, some mid-majors get hurt. And some of those mid-majors were upset about it. You know, the chairman of the uh, transfer uh, subcommittee was uh, the athletic director at South Dakota State. So so he's worried about that. And, and Calipari had tossed this out a couple years ago because Kentucky and Duke don't need grad transfers. You know, they're getting the blue bloods. They're getting the cream of the crop. But you know, would you see it's a school like Texas Tech offside getting these guys? And, and hey, Matt, Matt Mooney's taking three grad classes. Tariq Owens is taking three grad transfer classes. They both had legitimate majors at the schools that they were at before they came to Texas Tech and got their degrees. Both well-spoken guys, both guys who, you know, no red flags there. Yeah, this is kind of, yeah, is it a little unseemly to have basketball free agency? But, these guys have done everything they've been asked to do. So why not? They graduated. You know, we have free agency with coaches. They go wherever they want to go. Uh, I, oh, I just, I'm, I'm amazed by this kind of stuff. It just, it just blows me away that you would, you would, the, the one thing that, that the criticism of, of, well, besides all the money that's getting tossed around <laughs> is the, uh, we didn't even talk about this stuff here. And, the, and we got uh, testimony in New York uh, about uh, TCU basketball coaches, uh, uh, I believe that the testimony was all kinds of cheaters over there. I hate to hear that kind of thing, but we've got all kinds of talk about what uh, and, and hundreds of thousands of dollars being tossed around to, to players by by coaches. Uh, but uh, guys are graduating, actually doing what they're supposed to do, and we're complaining about that. I just, I'm just, a, I'm amazed at this kind of talk. It hey, just, it just goes back. Really to, think, does anybody really think that coming that there's going to be some, you know? that the hammer is going to drop on a lot of these prominent schools that are being mentioned in this testimony in New York, that the NCAA actually is going to take real action on these schools. No. no I don't think so either. No, I don't think so either. It's an amazing thing isn't it? that this testimony is going on. I mean, in some cases, we're talking about $300,000 was supposedly uh, uh, you know bagged up for uh, to get a kid to come to a school. And 
and it just it's just back page news these days. You know, there was there was a was a time when if you could have got this kind of thing in in court testimony, that it would have made front page headlines, not just the sports section, but a front page of 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 newspapers. And now, not so much. Not so much. And, and, and there's a great story from a few years ago about a SEC school that showed remain nameless about how there was a a brawl either in practice or in the locker room after practice. And it turned out that the, the entire brawl wasn't for things like, you know, you know, one loss record, sharing the ball, stuff like that. No, it's because word had got out from the players about who had gotten what to sign. And some players found out that they weren't getting as much as other guys, you know, uh, under the table. And that led to the brawl. And supposedly one of the guys who was upset, you know, only got 50000 Teammate got a hundred thousand, and then then they had to break it to him. No, you you actually got a hundred thousand, but your your uncle took fifty thousand off the top as an advisor. <laughs> what uh, what was the uh, the nameless SEC school? <laughs> uh, let's put it like this: uh, the, the the coach is uh, um, rhymes with Blackberry. <laughs> I'm, I'm having I'm, I'm having a uh, I'm having a uh, blackberry. Black, <laughs> let's go like this: blackberry. Blackberry. <laughs> I'm having a I'm having a senior moment here, Chuck. I can't come up with it. Blanders. Oh, well, yeah, I'll, I'll tell you at the end of the podcast. Oh, okay, yes, there we go. Okay. Blackberry. So you yeah, so, so you so you listeners out there, you're just gonna have to be in the dark. Unless, on, I gotta go look at all the SEC unless you, no, I don't think they are in the dark. I think, I think you're they're probably a little sharper than us anyway. So Chuck, uh, let's uh, let's move over here uh, because uh, we we wanted to talk some about the stars because you know. Chuck was in, in another life was a, a hockey writer. As a matter of fact, he covered the stars for us here and was a very fine uh, a beat writer for us before Chuck moved on to something else, as he's always wanted to do. Um, so, Chuck, uh, you know, watching this game last night, uh, you know me, Mr. Puckhead. Um, but I, I am the, the thing that I, I'm watching against the the Blues is that they just seem to be uh, bigger, deeper. Uh, they, they they kept the puck in the in the stars end of the of the rink all night long. It just seems to me that they're it's easier for them to impose their will and that for the stars to win these games, they're just going to have to out execute them uh, in on special teams and power plays and things like that. Like last night when they were able to get the the shorthanded goal, which was remarkable. Uh, but it, it seems to me this is going to be a little bit of an uphill battle for the stars. I think so. I mean, they're playing from behind again, which is what they had to do in the first round. Now they were successful in 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 coming back in the, in the first round and doing it, but the Blues are a different animal, you know, in in terms of what they're facing. And and you're talking about a team that's just been on fire since January first. You know, the best team in the National Hockey League uh, in, in the new year. And, and, and again, playoff hockey is just pretty much you know in the regular season. Yeah. You, you get weird travel, you get other things. Uh, in, in the playoffs, it's just about imposing your will. You know, it's about who wants to send the puck in deep enough, who wants to pay the price, who wants to get into the difficult areas and score goals, which the, the Blues did last night a couple times, and the Stars weren't able to keep them out. Now, was this a winnable game? Yeah, it looked like it was going overtime. And then the uh, 
Blues score with less than two minutes to play, and and that's a huge sort of lift. And see how the Stars bounce back. And you mentioned start, you know, the, the Blues are deeper. Yeah, that's the you know one question mark about the Stars has been that you have a really really good first line, but who's who else is going to pick up the slack? And they got uh, a whole lot of different heroes in the first round. They're going to need that again. Um, they're going to need, I think, Ben Bishop, you know, the Vesna. Uh, finalist to to step up and maybe win a game for you too, and, and the trouble is that St. Louis is getting really good goaltending on their end as well. This isn't a case uh, in Nashville where Bishop, I think, was clearly outplaying, uh, you know, his his you know Predators counterpart. You know, it, and it's an interesting test for Jim Montgomery as a as a first year coach. We don't know how he's going to react to these situations. What you do because now down two to one. This is traditionally when the team that's down makes a move, switches up lines, maybe switches up the lineup. We'll see. Does he stand pat? Does he feel that you know that no need to panic, or does he try to do something to to kind of throw you know make Big St. Louis react to them? Yeah, that, that that'll be interesting to see. You know, both both teams have won on the road, and so you know that's interesting to me that uh, they they've shown the, the capability to do that. Uh, and we'll see what the stars do now. I just, uh, I, I, you know, they're they have really talented players, but to the point of uh, of kind of imposing their will, the winning goal comes last night where Pat Maroon basically, you know. Bats down as a Lindell, and then uh, and then gets takes the puck and goes over and and, and makes the point blank shot. Uh, that to me kind of sums up a little bit the difference between the two teams. That uh, I think the Stars are very skilled, uh, just not a very big team. That's a that's a big old bruising line, Maroon's line especially. Well, well that, that's true. I mean, I, now you have Jamie Benn who plays physical, and and Tyler Sagan who plays physical, and and that sort of thing. But again. Uh, uh, you know, you don't have that up and down the lineup, and you have to um, size matters at times in playoff hockey. So, and, and you know, you go back, it always has. You could go back to the, you know, the Stars team that won um, Stanley Cup, and, and part of that was you look at that defense with Darian Hatcher, with Richard Mappichuk. That was a physically opposing first defense pair that the Stars had back then. How about just real quickly, Chuck? How, how would you compare those? Uh, this no, no, that's maybe a little disingenuous to say that real quickly. Compare these two teams, Chuck. <laughs> compare the one that won the Stanley Cup to the one now. It, it is it, now in the second round. Yeah, is that like a night and day <laughs> difference in personnel? Yeah, it really is. I mean, people forget because of Hitchcock's defensive philosophy and everything that that you had, you know, Mike Bradano on your first line, and you had Joe Newendike on your second line. Yeah, you had two really good scoring lines, and then when you threw, throw out, you know, Carboneau and Keene and, and Struhlin and those checkers that just were just harassing, just really hard, you know, veteran guys who had been through, like, you know, hundreds of playoff games combined who were just really difficult to play against, and then big physical defense that took advantage of the rules back then in the National Hockey League. You know, a lot of hooking, a lot of holding in that Hey, let them play, and they did that. And say what you will about Ed Belfour, but in the playoffs, you had a real money goaltender. And um, you know, this was a team that locked other teams down. Even the year that they lost to Detroit in the Western Conference Finals, before they won the Stanley Cup, I mean, 
you know, the, the, you know, there were, you know, a couple fluky goals or else the stars get by the Red Wings in that game. So, uh, you know, this was a, a, a team that was an alpha in the NHL. Right now, the stars are trying to get back there with this unit. But that being said, I mean, it's, it's kind of a, you know, a small but notable achievement that they've gotten to the second round of the playoffs for the first time since 2016. Yeah, I think so too. All right, Chuck, uh, before we let you get out of here, let's just go. I, I know we said I was going to – we didn't really talk about any college football, uh, and we want to talk a little bit about the draft. We're going to talk big time about the draft in our, in our next podcast. But uh, the, in the, from the Big 12, uh, the big winner from the draft was the Oklahoma Sooners, was it not? The Oklahoma Sooners offense was the big winner from the draft. We had seven of the eight players from Oklahoma were offensive players. No shocker there, which shows you kind of the challenge facing Alex Grinch, the new uh, new defensive coordinator. Um, but at the you know at the same time, yeah, it's a step forward for the you know the Big Twelve. You could say it's cyclical and everything else, but two years ago, Big Twelve had fourteen players drafted. You know, they're neck and neck with the American. For crying out loud, let a, forget the other Power Five conferences. Last year, twenty; this year, twenty-six. And if you do it on a per-school basis, which makes a lot of sense, when you're talking fourteen-team conference, twelve-team conference, ten-team conferences. You know, they're they're fourth; they're ahead of the ACC, um, which everybody thinks is a great football league, and not very far behind the the Big Ten and the Pac-12. So, yeah, that's that's perfectly fine. What they I think the Big 12 needs is Texas to produce more than two players yeah. uh, in the draft. You know, if and and you look at that, you know, uh, a fifth round and a seventh round pick for the Longhorns, did Tom Herman overachieve by getting 10 wins and a Sugar Bowl win last year? When you look at at least what the uh, NFL thought about the uh, draftable talent on the, on the roster. What happened to that cake that uh, that Charlie baked? Yeah, I asked Tom about that. Uh, he's <laughs> not big on the cooking aspect of that. He, he's not going all Guy Fieri on on that cooking. <laughs> no, right? I don't think so either. Now that's you know, Chuck. When's the last? Uh, there have been some times here recently where Texas has not had good, good drafts. When when was it? Was it Max last year that there was nobody drafted? Does that sound right? right and, and for the first, for this is the first time in the common era of the draft. That Texas has gone four straight years without a first-round draft pick. Yeah, that's remarkable, isn't it? It kind of tells you everything, you know. If you're yeah. not if you're not producing that kind of talent, it's hard to win. You know, it's hard to win without that. You know, we, we've had Oklahoma make it to the to the Final Four, and you look two years in a row, they've had the number one pick in the draft, both of their you know both quarterbacks uh, to make the to become the first pick of the draft. And we know how you can overrate court, teams in the NFL overrate quarterbacks. That that doesn't mean they're the best player. It just means that they were the first player taken. But still, that's a remarkable thing. At what point do you do you ever get the, a feeling that Lincoln Riley, uh, because we know the NFL really likes him, they come and they watch his practices, they they think he's very bright. Uh, if, if you're if you're going to hire uh, Cliff Kingsbury, who had a losing record at Texas Tech, what in the world could Lincoln Riley command from some NFL team? Uh, a whole lot more money than Cliff Kingsbury. I mean, yeah, this is uh, the guy that everybody has their eyes on. He seems happy right now. In, in Norman, they're paying him very well, but the, the NFL can throw an awful lot of money at him. And part of this, I think, is also if Clay Kingsbury is successful, 
if yes. he goes in there and, and has some success with Kyler Murray and does that, that's only going to drive up the pat, you know, the uh, the price for Lincoln Riley. You know, the uh, you know, I mean, right now it's a little bit of a fed, but I don't know if the entire NFL has bought in to the college's college offense kind of uh, theory that you know the the NFL has to kind of you know think forward instead of looking back. And uh, but yeah, as, as long as you know Lincoln Riley is still under forty, is out there. Yeah, the, some teams going to think that they they're going to make a run at it. You yeah. know, and and you're talking a really uh, gifted offensive mind, a guy who has adjusted. You know, when you look at it, you know he adjusted the offense for Baker Mayfield, Kyler Murray, a different sort of quarterback, but highly productive. Adjusted it to him. Now you'll have Jalen Hurts coming in. And people are saying, ah, Jalen Hurts can't win a Heisman Trophy. He can't put up those numbers. I'm not so sure. Let, let, let's see on that. He's a great physical specimen. He's a great athlete. You know, he, he can pick up, you know, he, he's more capable of running between the uh, tackles than Kyler Murray is. And I think he's a much improved thrower from his first two years at, at Alabama. So it'll be interesting to see, again, how that offense gets tweaked. Now, at the same time, Oklahoma lost four starting offensive linemen who were taken in the first four rounds. But that's the one big question mark about the offense this year, I think, for the uh, for the Sooners. Yeah, that's all. You know, it used to be a, a big uh, a category you would consider as a uh, you can judge, you can gauge wins or the number of potential wins by the number of starts by your offensive line. Uh, so, yeah, when you lose that many, that would be really, really tough to do. Chuck, it's been great to have you on. We appreciate it. You're covering a wide range of topics for us. Uh, it, it keeps Evan from talking very much, and so we're all very appreciative of that. Um, and uh, so we'd love to have you on again as soon as possible, maybe even in the next podcast that we're going to do on the, uh, the NFL and, and the draft. Uh, I, I, no, I've got a, a junket to Cancun coming up next week. I, I've got some <laughs> coverage down there. But, uh, but I think I can work you guys in, so feel free to give me a call. Uh, you're the best. Thanks, Chuck. Thank hey, you. Take care. Thanks for having me, guys. Bye-bye. <laughs> there goes Chuck Carlton, everybody. It was good stuff. Uh, we, we also had a, a, a podcast talking about the Rangers, and then we're going to talk about the Cowboys and the draft. So make sure you tune in. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Stars Ballsy Podcast. Be sure to subscribe to our weekly episodes on iTunes. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter, too. Just search the Ballsy with a Z podcast. Until next time, sports fans, we'll see you.